the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with your friend and mine, the one and only Max Hartington. Hello, Max. Hello, Danny. Good to be back. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to look at Max's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We will also be looking at uh, another film for the section that we call Max's Action Films, where these are action films taking it... To the max. Every time. Just chills, chills. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, and I actually have no idea what it is because uh, Max has put the link in for the film, but he hasn't actually said what it is. So that will come to as a surprise to me as well. You know what? Yeah. I, think, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, okay. But we start things off by looking at some new releases in the cinemas. And uh, there are four that we're talking about this week, all coming out on Friday the 21st of April. So you don't have to repeat that bit every yeah. single time. <laughs> We've had complaints. <laughs> Actually, it was just from me, but anyway, uh, still complaints. Yeah. So, 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 stop by saying coming out on Friday because they all these course. all come out on Friday the twenty first of April. The first one is a thousand and one. A uh, thousand and one tells the story of an of unapologetic and free spirited Inez who kidnaps a six year old son Terry from the foster care system. They set out to reclaim their sense of home, identity, and stability in a rapidly changing New York City. Uh, the cast for this one stars Tiana Taylor, Will Catlett, uh, Josiah Cross. And Avon Courtney, and it's directed by A.V. Rockwell, who grew up in um, in Queens in New York. So it seems to be sort of, while it's while it's not a biopic, it is a dr- dramatic story talking about you know this woman who sort of is fighting against the the uh, what the establishment with taking her son away from this foster care system, but then also sort of the struggles of life living in New York as as a single mother who eventually finds herself with a partner, and it's sort of it's a generational story because it goes from telling the story of this mother raising a son on her own to then uh her son becoming a teenager uh and facing the struggles of being you know in an inner city school and wanting to maybe be something bigger but then sort of clashing with with mum and clashing with his father figure and all sorts of stuff but um av rockwell like i said av rockwell herself is from new york so it seems like maybe a lot of her personal experience probably feeds into this one but uh there's been a lot of buzz about it Uh, tiana taylor apparently uh puts in a really fantastic performance as inez the main character who obviously is this struggling struggling mother in new york so could be one to watch if you're looking for a dramatic um dramatic very personal story about like crime drama dark um new york based thing if that's what you're looking for yeah yeah okay that's a thousand and one also out this week we have evil dead rise Uh, a woman finds herself in a fight for her life when an ancient book probably the Necronomicon, uh, gives birth to bloodthirsty demons that run amok in a Los Angeles apartment building. Uh, the cast for this film is Lily Sullivan, Alyssa Sutherland, Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles, Nell Fisher, and Richard Crouchley, and it's directed by Lee Cronin. Uh, most likely, of course, <clears throat> we, we know about this one because this is relating to the Evil Dead franchise. So, so just as you were running through the cast, the other way of putting that is no one you've ever heard of before. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns in this one. Yeah. And mysteriously enough, no Bruce Campbell on this one, who is uh, known for his Evil Dead connections. But well... Given that I know that that's not true, he is in it, and it's not really being kept a secret. He makes an appearance in there somewhere. He's going to be but, in But there. he has made it quite clear that he has retired the character of Ash that he's yeah. played from the other Evil Dead films. Much uh, to my disappointment. Yeah, so, the, so, so I don't think you should expect to see that character, but you might just discover Bruce Campbell in there somewhere. Yeah, but it's, I guess it seems like this one is very much sort of carrying across the sort of the disgust and horror that uh, Sam Raimi's film franchise are known for uh, seems like it could do just a good job living up to the expectation of that one just there uh, it looks like there's some you know people turn into horrible monsters there's some lots of gore and people getting the fingers put in all sorts of sharp objects so 
if you you know if you, if you like Evil Dead like I do, then that's a lot of blood. A lot, lot of blood. Getting buckets of blood. Buckets are going to be buckets. Buckets of blood being chucked around everywhere. But they'll probably they'll do a good job of it. Okay, so. that's Evil Dead Rise, the latest of the Evil Dead series, and that is out. Well, no, I'm now doing what you're doing. I was, I was about to catch you there. I thought yeah. he was about to say yeah. that it's out this Friday, the twenty yeah, first no. of April. No, I was going to say, and it is outrageously gory <sighs> and, and brutal. No, oh, there you go. That's what I was going to say. That was Ramey worthy uh, delivery on that yes, one. There. I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> so let's move on to another movie that we're going to talk about this week the third of four movies missing missing tells the story of june uh, who when her mother disappears while on the vacation in columbia with her new boyfriend she searches for answers so her search for answers is hindered by international red tape uh stuck thousands of miles away in la uh, June creatively uses all the latest technology at her fingertips to try and track down her mother before it's too late. But as she digs deeper, her digital sleuthing soon raises more questions than answers. Uh, this is, um, I'm not too sure if you've heard of Searching, which is a film that came out a few years previously, but uh, Searching was one uh, starring John Cho, which basically had a man trying to find his missing wife. And the whole sort of gimmick is that it's filmed from, from a desktop. So it, it shows all of the apps that are being accessed. So, you know, she, she uses video calls to talk to her mum and then that's the introduction and then it's going to go to, oh, look, she's searching through emails and she's getting phone calls. And so it's a, it's one of those films where it's the, the sort of the style of it is it's all recorded from phone cameras and computer laptops and things. I've seen that done occasionally before and I think it can be quite clever when, when the, the imagery is all sort of, I don't know quite what the yeah. phrase would be, but... But yes, it, it's all done that way. Yeah, style. We'll say it's stylized. Yeah, it? yeah. There was an episode of uh, Modern Family where they did that, and it was all done from Claire's laptop <laughs> at, at an airport. And she would like start FaceTiming other members of the family and doing all this and stuff. People and, would drop in. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so every so you saw nothing from any source other than the. The, the what was available to Claire in that episode yeah. like, is that a similar thing with- in the same style yeah so th- this film is directed by Will Merrick and Nick Johnson who also made Searching which is that other film so clearly they've got a nice they've found something that really works for them and, and they like telling uh, they like telling a narrative in this style uh, in terms of cast you have Storm Reid uh, Storm Reid I, no, I don't know if, I, if you've seen HBO's The Last of Us but she she had a starring role in an episode of HBO's The Last of Us and that's Sort of, uh, but she's also been in things like um, Euphoria, so you know an HBO star sort of thing. But she plays June, who's the daughter who uh, whose mother goes missing. Uh, you've got uh, Joaquin uh, de la Meda, Nia Long. He, he was he was in um, I think he was in Twenty Four. Yeah. for a little while. I remember him as well because he was one of the main um, antagonists in one of the Harrison Ford um, Jack Ryan movies, the Clear and Present Danger. I think he was he was one of the main main villains in that. He played he played like a Latin version of Jack Ryan. Yeah. So so the, the the good guys had Jack Ryan working for them and and part of the the setup of the movie was it was um paralleling if that's a word the um the the, the Colombian drug cartels and showing how well resourced they were that they uh-huh. were as well resourced as the American government and that the, the the boss of the you know so the president of the United States yeah. had Jack Ryan to do stuff <laughs> and the the head of the Colombian cartel had an equivalent who was there that, sort of that's, see that's bloke. quite a cool idea and that was him who played it, it was Joaquin Delamida oh, right. who played him and uh, did it very very well um, yeah oh, fantastic well that's uh, I told you more about him that. than you ever thought you'd need to no know. honestly that, that, I, that sounds like a really interesting story I know maybe he's playing maybe he's playing a um Maybe he's playing someone, you know, uh, but maybe there's some sort of connection between that character that he's playing there and the character he's playing in a, in this film itself. 
Probably not. With, with his trip to Columbia. Uh, you probably you not. never know. No, I, I, I think this could be this could be the sequel to Clear and Present Danger. You never knew. You never knew you needed. Yeah, probably not though. <laughs> um, and and who was the other person you thought? Is it Nia Long? Did you say Nia Long? See, I know the name. I think she might have been in one of these. Um, yeah, she was in um, uh, NCIS Los Angeles for a little while. Oh. She played like their boss for a short amount of time. Also starred in Big Mama's House as well. Right. Okay. Yes, I think she's done other things as well, but uh, <laughs> I just remember her from that more recently. Uh, okay, so that's um, so I've already lost the name of that. Film, missing, so the next missing. One. Miss, see, the title was missing from me there. <laughs> see what I did? A little bit, little bit of searching there as well. I did, yes, I yes, thought, to reference their last one. I, so it seems like they've got a thing, haven't they? It's one one word ING uh, yeah, yeah. titles. Yeah, yeah. Can't next? wait for a finding. Yeah, yeah. Um, failing. <laughs> Beating a dead yeah, horse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the final film up this week. Uh, is it? It's probably not fair to say this, but I get a little bit um, tired of some of this stuff after a while because it's been done so many times yes, before. It's, but this is another retelling of the Three Musketeers, specifically focusing on D'Artagnan. Right. Uh, th- Here's the synopsis. Uh, three loyal swordsmen attempt to defeat an evil royal advisor and a seductive envoy plotting to overthrow the crown. Uh, this one is entirely in French as well, so maybe very fitting to the original stories of the Three Musketeers. But yeah, well, yes, because it was a French story, wasn't yeah. it? And uh, yeah, so you've got uh, you've got a lot of French. Uh, uh, this to be butchered some of these names: uh, Vincent Cassel, Romain Duris, uh, Pio Mar- Pio Marmai, and Eva Green. Yeah, well done with Eva, Eva Green. Eva Green, whose name I can yeah. whose name I can get right, and it's uh, directed by Martin Bourbalon. Okay. Yeah. But, but it yes. seems it's, it's a very a- action-packed take. Uh, it does look like it's doing a good job being like a genre piece in terms of making sure like it's it's made all of these like 19th century sets and there's castles and storming and fights. Okay. But so, uh, so, it so, is, so it, but it is another I mean despite the fact they're calling it the Three Musketeers D'Artagnan, it is the Three Musketeers story which because yeah. the first story was the one where D'Artagnan joins them and in the 70s these were spoofed somewhat. They were quite big budget spoofs with they? an all-star cast. And the first one was called The Three Musketeers, and then they did The Four Musketeers, which was the follow-up. See, I can only think of the Mickey Mouse version that I saw as a kid. Ah, okay. There, there is a Mickey Mouse Three Musketeers film as well. So in the, in I think the, they're Mouseketeers in that. So. It, probably. <laughs> in the 70s, they, they did really big-budget movie, movie versions of this, and they shopped them back-to-back, so they had the same cast and crew in both and then they were released as two separate movies but but yeah there was the th- yeah the three musketeers and you had Lawrence um no Oliver Reed as one of the musketeers and and uh, Frank Finley and Richard Chamberlain I don't know these names maybe don't mean much to you but but Michael York was the young D'Artagnan mm. and and then you had um a Raquel Welch was in it who recently passed away mm. uh, um Charlton Heston was, was in Charlton it Heston. As, as Cardinal Richelieu I think if I remember rightly and oh. and um yeah yeah, it had Faye Dunaway as well, a big Oscar-winning actress from Chinatown. She was I in amongst other things. But the, well. these were done by, and it was a British director, Richard Lester, who also did Superman 3. Ah. Uh, and and in that, he did it, it. Superman 3 was almost spoof-like. There was a lot of comedy and slapstick in that. And the, 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 the Musketeers had that thing going on. So this, these were comedy, action-y type things. And then, the, yeah, they did the four Musketeers, which was the, the, the sort of the follow-up. Yeah. Uh, they did a third one, um, uh, sort of twenty years later. Because I believe there's a whole load of books. I don't think there was just there's two. plenty of them. Aren't I think it's, I think it's, it's a long, it's Alexander a long, long Dumas series, yeah. wrote several books. Yes, he also wrote um, he wrote things like Man in the Iron Mask as well, which I believe Monte Cristo. I believe are also part of the Musketeers 
oeuvre. The, the, the Musketeers universe. If yes, you I think the man in the Iron Mask almost certainly is because I'm sure D'Artagnan and the others, Athos, Porthos and Aramis, who are the, the three Musketeers. That's actually really impressive. Yeah. I, I, the only one I knew was D'Artagnan and clearly and, they knew that when they made And Max song. can tell you, dear listener, that I was not looking at my screen when I said those <laughs> no, names. No, it was no. genuine from, yeah. from the back of his mind. Athos, Porthos and Aramis were the three Musketeers. Uh, but... Um, so okay, so it's been redone again. Yeah, it was done in the nineties as well, and it had uh, oh, what's his chops from NCIS Los Angeles, the one who was also Robin in Batman and Robin, um, Chris O'Donnell. Oh, uh, and from Twenty Four. Why am I going blank on Keith the name? Sutherland. Keith Sutherland. Yeah, I think he was one of the. He was either Athos, Porthos, or Aramis, and um, yeah. So, so they they kind of sexed it up a bit with with the with the Hollywood brat pack as they were playing the Musketeers. And it, you, you're now intrigued to see this, aren't you? He's, he's I, I, I'm f- furiously googling this one because I need to know. Kiefer Sutherland, Charlie Sheen as Aramis, yeah. Chris O'Donnell as D'Artagnan, Tim Curry as Richelieu, yeah. Oliver Platt. Wow, this yeah. is this, this has got a real. Uh, and it had a big song from it, for it that I think was Brian Adams and Sting. Oh, don't. And Rod Sting, Stewart, Sting and Bright out of the story. Yeah, I have to see this. Now. Yeah, it's called this- All for Love. Was the, the the big song, which I think was hoped to be the 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 sort of to that movie what Brian Adams' Everything I Do I Do It for You was was to the Robin Hood movie. The nineties is just the best, isn't it? It's right. one way to look at that. <laughs> but yeah, so the Man in the Iron Mask has been made more than once, including a version with. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. which I think had aging musketeers. I think it was set like yes. well into their. Dotage, You've also got John Malkovich, Jeremy Irons in this one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Does, but does it have a soundtrack by, you know, Sting and Rod Stewart? And Brian Adams. And Brian Adams. <sighs> and it, the song was called uh, All for One and One for All, which is where the, the famous sort of catchphrase yes, of the Musketeers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you have to keep it out to see if... Uh, well, no, it's called All for Love and All for, all for One. And it all was, for Love and All for One. Or just Awful. Anyway, uh, so so the three musketeers colon d'Artagnan uh, is uh, or, or, or to use the French les trois musketeers colon d'Artagnan. I don't know enough French to disprove you there. I'm, no, I'm only reading it straight off the screen here because oh, it says underneath it the original title <laughs> les trois musketeers saving us from ourselves. Yeah, three musketeers. There you go. Uh, sword, sword buckling, swashing, whatever they call it. It's um, yeah, swashbuckling. It's swashbuckling, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you Buckle your swashes. That's it. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week, I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know. You could be my next guest. Time now for Max's action films. This is where Max chooses a film that he considers is a good enough action film to go into this this collection of of um, films that we do. But but more importantly, he's dying to say because these are films that take it to the max. 
you, you had me sitting on the chair there. I was waiting. Like, yeah. well, hold on, this is. We, yeah. I always start off yeah. by saying, "Take it to the max," yeah. and then we, we can go. We, from we there. used to do a thing in a different place a long, long time ago. The film club, and it was choosing f- films yeah. to go into the club, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, and and it sort of feels like this is kind of what you're doing. You're, you've got like an action film vault, and we're which we're, we're, we're saving action films for posterity. I we're think putting them in the vault. At one point, it started off with any sort of '80s film, but now it's just gone to anything that I think has a really sort of nice. I mean, there are there is obviously a mm. high high amount of 80s films going into this yeah. because I think it's they perfected action in that time but like you said it's any any sort of film that I think has really good action that is mm. worth saving yeah. uh, whether the film itself is any good okay well, I mean I've- of course I think the film is good which is why it's going in there but I think it's about action making the film because you might have a naff plot uh, along with your great action yeah but but certainly this is this is a an action film that Matt that Max feels is worthy of, of inclusion. Exactly. And I agree because I now know what it is. It's more than just a link on my page yes. now. I've got it here. Uh, so the film this month, tell us about it. Tell us why it's in there. Of course. Uh, uh, th- this month, our Max's action film choice is The Bourne Ultimatum, the third in the Jason Bourne, uh, the Jason Bourne story. Of course, starring Matt Damon as the, the titular Jason Bourne. Uh, in this story, this is sees, it's a sort of the... Um, Every, everything that's been established in the previous films Jason Bourne of course is an international assassin who can't remember his name and he wakes up on a, fish, on a fishing boat somewhere full of bullet holes and he can't remember why he's done all the things he's done uh, so the previous films have sort of built up this story about how you know he's a CIA assassin who's been sort of mind controlled into doing all these things he didn't want to do the Bourne ultimatum sort of is the sees him coming towards the end of this story and uh, solving all of the problems by facing against the, mm. the Treadstone program that made him into who he is. So this is based on a trilogy by Robert Ludlum and this the, the, and, and these films really do work as a trilogy. The, yes. You know, the first yeah. one is very much the beginning, the second one is the middle, this one is the conclusion yes. of that story. This uh, one's in here just because I think it's got the best action yeah. of all of them. But even then, it was really close. Mm. I, I decided I wanted a Jason Bourne film. I think this is the one that, that critically did better because I think yeah. this is the one that won the Oscars. So mm. I don't think, I'm not sure if the other ones did, but certainly this one, I think won three Oscars three Oscars Um, and that happens on occasions with a good trilogy it's the last one that they kind of like the the Mm. Lord of the Rings films it was Return of the King that won all the Oscars And, and in some ways you sort of think are they partly doing that because they were remiss with the earlier films they thought well, we, well we'll give them all of this one because we yeah. missed them out before for, for whatever reason <laughs> but the cast in this as well it, it, there is a great great cast here uh, I'm going to I'm going to fire off some names so of course you've got Matt Damon as you've already mentioned there yes, yeah. uh, Julia Stiles is in there in a, in a relatively small role but she's very good at what she does because she, she, I think she's more prevalent in the second one isn't she they're carrying yeah. across her character from yeah. the second film into this one but she's, uh, she's still playing her part and there's uh, Joan Allen um, David Strauss then Scott Glenn, uh, Albert Finney, yes. Paddy Considine, yes. uh, Daniel Brühl. You know, th- there's there's a there's a lot of good actors, lots of talent in, in this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for for a film which is mostly just uh, Matt Damon looking at people through windows, it does a really good job having everybody else uh, mm. around. Uh, just sort of, but because there is this sort of the, this element of the narrative where, of course, we've got Jason Bourne's running around causing all sorts of mayhem, but then you've got people you've got people reacting to Jason Bourne you've got people sat in a CIA office going where's he going now what's yeah, he doing yeah. it's nice that you have all of these really good yeah. actors going, and, and, and like, some of it almost it. felt like it was almost like documentary style the way it was shot the way yeah. you were suddenly like you know you were watching them yes as you say in a in a in a, in a in an office of sorts yeah. you know uh, you know, trying to track them and, and, and find out what's going on next what's going on next and yeah, and, and yeah that, that sort of drama to it was just just wonderful but, yeah. but the Bourne films as well they, they kind of redefined this sort of 
thing you know the action spy thing if it weren't for the Bourne films I wonder if we would have had Casino Royale with Daniel Craig in the way that we did that's that's exactly what I was going to mention about I think Jason Bourne has this this real sort of like brutalist fighting style like it's very sort of like heavy heavy hitting Mm. against all these people and I think it definitely played an important role in this sort of the the, the 2000 errors like the, the big changeover from the Pierce Brosnan Bond yeah. to Daniel Craig's one I think this real gritty I mean you think of Casino Royale and you think of either the chase at the start or you think there's that fight scene with the machete where they're in the casino yeah. and it's just really heavy hitting like, very frenetic you feel it, close you feel every hit well it's very close to other camera work You're re- yeah. it's almost like the cameraman's in there yeah. in the fight with there's, them you know there's, and- there's, I mean the reason what got this one onto Max's action films was there's this amazing chase scene where Jason Bourne's chase I think it's in Marrakesh that they're in where Jason Bourne's just chasing this man. He's jumping over rooftops and everything. And then they get caught in a tiny apartment building and there's all these tile walls and they're just beating each other against it. And it's just like you said like it feels like you are getting thrown into the mix it is yeah. so crazy yeah it's so so well done this is yeah. a great movie uh, and and the director of this as well it did such a good job because it's it's a fairly complex um plot but you follow yeah. it you 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 work your way right through it and and you know where you are with it and and Paul Greengrass who directed it British director directed the second born film as well didn't he yes, and the yeah. fourth the fifth one Fifth one, yes, yeah. That Jason, he came back for Jason Bourne, which is the one that Matt Damon came back for That's, as well. Yeah, Matt Damon came back for another one. Yeah, because there's one in between. And oh, do, do we do? Like do we just sort of? Well, the one that's in between. Yeah, I am going to say what I'm going to say. Gonna, you're going to mention the Bourne Legacy by the, name. Yeah, so the Bourne Legacy, Jeremy Renner. You, I feel you owe me like nine quid fifty for my cinema <laughs> ticket because I did not enjoy that film. And and in it, they keep referencing the fact that this is running simultaneously to the Bourne Ultimatum, and there's there, there's references on like television screens of news stories yeah. that saying that they're tracking Jason Bourne. Uh, and it's depicting the events of the Bourne Ultimatum, and all I could fit, all I thought while watching the Bourne Legacy was, I'd rather be watching the Bourne Ultimatum yeah. again than watching this old pile of steaming. What's it? So yeah, one happy at all. Oh. And, and Renner, I blame you. Don't care how many Oscars you might have won. Um, oh. But anyway, the Bourne Ultimatum. But, but this one, this one's great. Yeah. Okay. A great end to the trilogy. Uh, even though there, there are there, other there movies, is a follow up, but, but but this one, yeah. you know, if you, the you, first I mean, three were were one story, yeah, yeah over three films, and, and everything else has sort of been like original original film takes, hasn't it? As opposed to adapting the original. I have got I've, I have got a friend who swears by the fact that the uh, the original the original born story like it's it, he doesn't think the, the films do a very good adaptation but i think he's very he's very tired to the books themselves. i can imagine that the books are and the movies are, are markedly different yeah. and 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 i think in a way it doesn't matter if you enjoy the movies you know yeah. just watch the movies and i think you, that they just did such yeah. a good job these films are just all so well made and like i mean they i mean i think they defined a, a, a sort of they defined you know 10 years worth of action like be, be it bond or be it, i think there's a lot of films in the 2000s in the same style as Casino Royale that borrow a lot from the Bourne story well I've always felt that the Bond films are films that redefined the cinema and yeah. and the action movies in particular but but redefined the cinema uh, and then every now and then there's been films that have clearly in some way been inspired by a Bond movie mm. but have perhaps helped the Bond films to raise their game I think in the early 90s True Lies did that the Arnold yes. Schwarzenegger yes. James Cameron movie that redefined the spy genre of movie and and made the Bond producers probably sit up and think we need to up our game here. Look what Arnie's just done, and and and, and they did, you know. And the Brosnan era of the Bond films did that, and then the Bourne Identity comes along and it makes them think again. We need to up we our game that, here. Yeah. This is being done better than we've done in the past. We need to match that, and, mm. and I think they absolutely did with Casino Royale. I think uh, you know, and also if anything, 
uh, Matt Damon as Jason Bourne has possibly been forgotten about slightly, whereas nobody's forgotten as yet Daniel Craig as James no, Bond. No, you've got a point there. Anyway. But... <laughs> so that's the film this week, uh, this time around for Max's action films. It is The Bourne Ultimatum. The Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the Sololbers podcast with Danny Smith. Let's look at uh, Max's choice of films to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We're going to start with Friday the 21st of April, E4, 9pm. Matt Damon is at it again. It's The Martian. We can't get enough Matt Damon on this podcast, can we? Uh, The Martian tells the story of an astronaut who becomes stranded on Mars, and it's sort of a catalogued diary about his experience of uh, how he survives on Mars. Because, of course, the one person you want stuck on Mars is your your food expert who was brought along on this mission to Mars. Uh, Matt Damon, of course, is that astronaut. And uh, this film does a really good job of sort of... it's, It's very much... It's not just Matt Damon talking to the camera the entire time, but you've got this entire really great cast of the other astronauts sort of doing their part and then you've got the people down at um people down at nasa doing their part to save him but just really exciting and of course we can't go without mentioning the director can we because ridley scott directed this one and i think this is i i think this is one of ridley scott's better better recent films oh okay he's made yeah maybe, maybe a controversial take there but i mean yeah. at least in the past couple of years but uh like i said great cast you've got matt damon is is mark watney who's the astronaut trapped in space you've got jessica chastain is playing uh Luke Captain Lewis who's sort of the person who heads the mission and wants to get him back uh, Kate Mara and then on Earth you've got Jeff Daniels is sort of the person who's trying to head this uh, retrieval mission at NASA Sean Bean Michael Pena uh, Sebastian Stan uh, I've always liked that Donald Glover makes an appearance in this one as, a, as a, an analyst as well so just um, really exciting one to watch I think right. I, th- I think and I, I read the I actually read the, the book this was based on before I saw the film as well so I, it was one of those ones where actually I enjoyed the adaptation they made of it. Sean Bean annoys me, and I didn't realise this till recently. <laughs> but what's it with his name? Sean you, Bean. It's spelled S E A N B E A N, right? So surely that should be Seen Bean or Sean Pion. What? What? Why is it he pronounces one bit one way and one bit the other way? He, be consistent. Seen Bean. Seen Bean. <laughs> be consistent, man. Oh. Do you see what I mean now? That's going to bug I, you. Yeah, now, I'm well it? aware of the fact that yeah. actually yeah. I'm looking at his name right in front of me. Yeah. Like, Seen Bean. Seen Bean or. Yeah, honestly, or that's... Sean Porn. Sean Bond. Yeah. It, she, seen Bean is easy. Sean Bourne. Yeah. Um, anyway. In, in a northern accent, yeah. as well, is it? Yeah. Anyway, The Martian is on Friday the 21st of April, 9pm on E4. We move to Saturday the 22nd of April, uh, and we have 7pm on Film 4, the day after tomorrow. So the first one was scientifically very, very accurate. This one, I, I think I, less I so. one wildly... Try not to break pop, the, pop the audio, just the one that is yeah. wildly, uh, absolutely insane. So global warming causes an absolutely crazy number of events. Uh, loads of events happen to the world, but funnily enough, they're all centralised in uh, Washington, D.C. and New York City. It seems yeah. to be thrown into the worst of it. Uh, you've got super tornadoes. You've got uh, super ice storms. You've got floods. Everything that can happen happens to uh, downtown New York. Uh, the main focus of the narrative, of course, Dennis Quaid is a researcher who becomes aware of what's going to happen after this big sort of Arctic shift at the top. And Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal is playing his son who's trapped in the city who's trying to be rescued. Mm. Uh, is it really? Roland Emmerich? Roland Emmerich. So it's yeah. the guy behind Godzilla and um, the Independence Day and... Y- y- those sorts of things. So it's, do you, you think you Roland Emmerich? Do you think he's a bit of a, a sort of like a, an eco terrorist? Like the, the way he makes all these films, all about the complete destruction of society. He does do that a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a but but um, but he does do the big epic um, disaster type movie thing very well. Yes, uh, and yeah. this one has wonderful effects and and stuff. But yes, you've got to buy the premise that the day after tomorrow, the world is going to have some cataclysmic yeah. um, weather event. 
uh, and Dennis Quaid saves the day. <laughs> it will, will be interesting to see what the uh, what the the two thousand CGI looks like on all of the ice flow. I, I distinctly remember a scene where. Spoiler alert, there's a, there's a big big sort of ice freezing and then all of a sudden wolves turn up in downtown uh, downtown New York uh, being brought along by the ice flow sort of thing. So we'll see how that still looks. But I think it does a good job uh, being quite, quite a tense one and it's quite enjoyable seeing how exactly they completely demolish all of these cities. Okay, that's the day after tomorrow, which is on, uh, as we're recording this, not the day after, I, I thought, oh, that'd be really cool if, <laughs> if, you if can we're recording. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. And it's, so, so on Thursday, tell people out there in the world, you're not going to even be able to do this because this doesn't go until Friday. Friday. <laughs> but, but yes, so if you were able to hear this yesterday, you could say that this film, the day after tomorrow, is on the day after tomorrow. <laughs> But that don't work no more. Anyway, film four, 7pm, Saturday the 22nd of April. We move to Sunday the 23rd of April. Film four, 9pm. My word, you've chosen a classic. I found a really good one here. Logan. Logan. Logan is, the, of course, the end of the installment of uh, Hugh Jackman's time playing the character of Wolverine. Uh, this tells the story of Logan being trapped in a future where all of the other X-Men and mutants are being hunted down by the police and he survives on a farm with uh, Professor X, played by none other than the Patrick Stewart as well. Uh, and it's this sort of the story of him coming to terms with his old with his age and trying to do the right thing one last time. Uh, this film's just brilliant, isn't it? Directed it's, by James Mangold. James Mangold. I am yes. going. Uh, by the way, Max knows this, but my computer's pretty much died now, so, yeah, so I have this is nothing all, here. So it's we're all, going off your knowledge here. Yeah, I and mean, bits of it, which is great. Um, but James Mangold, who is directing the fifth Indiana Jones movie that's out Indeed this summer, and people are very excited that if he does for Indiana Jones what he did for Logan, he he, in a, he finds a very tr- fitting way of paying yeah. tribute to that character. You know, what? I've come back on the on the new um, Indiana Jones. I was a bit hesitant for a while, but the more and more i see about it the more i think actually they might do a really good job of it and i really i'm, I'm touching the desk here while i say that but yeah I'd, I'd like that one to be to be good and the thing is you've got harrison ford and mads mickelson so you, you can't really go wrong yeah yeah it, it looks uh it does i'm excited i'm excited for it i was really excited for the last one and that blooming shia LaBeouf kind of ruined it a bit didn't he <laughs> But I don't think he's in this one. You know what he's not. And he's also not in Logan either. So, so there you go. Logan. And, and what a great performance from Patrick Stewart and from... Um, Hugh Jackman. It, yeah, Hugh Jackman yeah. himself. Yeah. Honestly, everyone does such a good job in this one. Uh, uh, almost everyone. I, I, I still not, not sure. Of, oh, what's he called? The tall like one from Bristol. Stephen Merchant. Yeah. He's really? It's his voice. Yeah. I, I suppose he's, he's playing sort of a weird looking character, isn't he? He so is, he does but, fit but here, then he sounds like he's from the West Country, doesn't he, my lover? Here, here, hey, mutants, mutants can be from anywhere. Maybe, that, maybe yeah. that's what, what's yeah. happened to him. Maybe he's mutated. normal before yeah. he did that. Here, Wolverine, what, what's, what's Professor X having for dinner? Is he having a pasty? That's actually quite... I can't believe you managed to play a scene from the film there. Yeah, that was me. That put was put it up. With your internet right. speed, you played it through the Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The day after tomorrow's just loaded. Um, I'm <laughs> just in time. Great here. So anyway, Logan, 9pm, Sunday the 23rd of April. We moved to Monday the 24th of April. My birthday. And you have picked... A favourite of mine, which obviously is a complete coincidence. Danny, this one's this one's on here for a reason. It's not. It, so. it, it's, it's on here for a reason, and uh, I need to watch this one. So I'm putting it on here so that I watch Air Have Force you not One. Seen this I one? haven't seen Air Force <sighs> One, Danny, but I've heard so much about it. And you know what's really annoying is I know I know the last line of the film. <laughs> it's not the last line. <laughs> it's not the last line. No, but it's near it. It's close to there. There was going to be a sequel where then they were going to. So it's for those who don't know, it's um, Harrison Ford playing the president of the United States. He's on Air Force One and terrorists take over. Communists take over his yeah, plane. He's, yeah. he's the only person who yeah. get them off. But it, it turns out he used to be a Marine, so you know they don't stand a chance. Always, it's always the chef's a Marine yeah, or the president. Yeah. The chef's an ex-Marine or the president's an ex-Marine. There's always someone on that plane, isn't it? I like to watch this film imagining it was the third movie he made as Jack Ryan. 
And every time they call him something different, I go Jack. Over and then they the, Jack Ryan the, president. I just shout Jack over the top of it because I'm like, I think oh. this is the because this is the sort of thing that Tom Clancy did with the Jack Ryan stories because Jack Ryan became president uh, in in the in the series of books. He didn't. He did, and uh, and he was you know a, a, a guy who was a marine who sometimes had to get himself out of precarious situations and oh, wow. you know use some of his old training occasionally and yeah. So I could see this as and it was. Um, it was rumored that they were going to do a sequel where terrorists were going to take, like, try and storm the White House, but he fights them off. And apparently, there was going to be a scene at the end with him with a big rocket launcher saying, "Get off of my lawn!" Oh, <laughs> honestly, yeah. we, we've been robbed because the big line is, it, "Is it get off get, my plane. get off my plane?" Yeah. Yeah. He hits them off, and of course and you've got Gary Oldman playing yeah. uh, playing a, a Russian in this film. Yeah, well, he so. plays the he plays the main terrorist, but you've also got in there um, you've got Dean Stockwell, I believe, uh-huh. and Glenn Close. Yep, if I remember two of the, those two. Previously, William H Macy. William H Macy makes an appearance in that one as well. Right. Okay. So yeah, you've got you've got um, you know it's, again it's a good cast. Really but good. Is it Wolfgang Peterson? Is he the director? Wolfgang Peterson directs. Yes. So he's doing this all off the all from his mind. He's as still well. loading his, up his, the his day after tomorrow. His computer's got a screensaver on it at gone. the moment. But uh, but yes, and, but 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 Wolfgang Peterson did uh, in the line of fire uh, a brilliant Clint Eastwood uh, movie, and 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 he was very much on form again when he did Air Force One, which I think was not too long afterwards. Yes, yeah. Uh, but, in but, the line of fire, great film as yeah. well. Yeah, but Harrison Ford. If if you like Harrison Ford doing his sort of white collar hero thing like he does with the 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 patriot games and clearing present yes, danger yeah. he's doing it again with this one and and, and it's wonderful and it's you know it, it's it's just he elevates it slightly because this is the sort of thing that you, uh, bruce willis could have done or, or or stallone or schwarzenegger or anyone else could mm. have done but they wouldn't have done it the way that harrison ford can it brings a certain gravitas to it yeah and, and yeah it's great you believe he's the president yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and uh, there's a great bit on. I've got the DVD at home, and there's a great bit on on a like bonus like material stuff, you know, and 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 the extras. Mm. And it says it's an interview with Gary Oldman, and he's kind of saying about he remembered on his first day of filming, he had to do like an actiony thing with Harrison Ford, and he, he he gets the gun, and he's right in Harrison Ford's face, and he said he just suddenly broke character and just went. Indiana Jones. <laughs> he said he just couldn't contain it. He just suddenly noticed he was face to face with Indiana oh, Jones. Wow. He ruined the take, but he just said it was just too much for him. He just, oh, you're Indiana Jones. See, I couldn't imagine. I think, especially considering how Gary Oldman and the stage he's at and how renowned he is now, it's crazy to imagine him doing something like that. But I guess it is. Well, know, it just quite... shows who gets starstruck, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it can happen to anyone. But yeah, apparently he he got he got slightly overwhelmed, you know, but by, by this. Uh, but yeah, so wonderful choice there. Brilliant. Well done, Max. Uh, Nine p.m. Film four on my birthday. Monday the 24th of April uh, Air Force One let's move now to Wednesday the 26th of April 9pm on the Paramount Network another great film one that is sometimes overlooked I know yes well of course we have The Enforcer the third in the Dirty Harry film series Uh, this of course stars Clint Eastwood as none other than uh, Dirty Harry uh, Callahan, the the detective who goes around threats people with magnums and complains about things but uh, this film is the the being the third in the series uh, this one sees him being teamed up with a rookie investigator yes played by Cagney and Lacey's uh, Tyne Daly yes before she was Cagney no she was uh, Lacey yes she was Lacey but before she was le- famous for playing Lacey she played another cop Kate alongside Moore. Clint his, his wisecracking uh, as, his, what, what, he's got more of a partner in this one he, he, yeah. as opposed to the previous films where well, he Har- had, he's Harry had complains and about, then they die don't yeah, they, they, they yeah. die whereas in this one that you've got this more sort of like focused relationship between the two, between the two of them as they find themselves trying to going up against a terrorist organization made up of uh, disgruntled Vietnam veterans who take their base on a, make their base on Alcatraz for the yeah. year. 
And so he goes and he storms Alcatraz. And then a couple of years later, he escaped from Alcatraz. Yes. He did that movie, I think, yeah, not long after. Am I right in th- I'm going really out on a limb here. Oh, Directed Jack, by James Fargo? How do you know? Are you sure you've not got it open in front of you? Because it is James Fargo. Directs. It is. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, I know, well, I know that Don Siegel did the first one. Yes. And I know that Clint Eastwood did the fourth one, but I don't think he did the others. Um, so that'd be Magnum Force, the second one. Yeah. Testing my knowledge. Right. Who do you think is the director of Magnum I, Force? I don't know. So tell me. Uh, directed by Ted Post. Okay. Mm. Um, and the Deadpool was the most recent, well, most recent from 1989. <laughs> but but the, I don't know who directed that one either. But, um, but it was, uh, but yeah, Clint Eastwood, I believe, directed Sudden Impact. I think. Max is looking this stuff I, I'm, up. I'm, feverish stuff of course the deadpool which of course stars uh, liam neeson and jim carrey in this yeah. one as well uh that's directed by buddy van horn i almost said that who i believe used to be clint eastwood's uh stunt uh director or some stunt stunt coordinator in a lot of his movies including any, any which way you can yeah but uh, but yeah and sudden impacts i think the fourth one was directed by clint eastwood i believe oh yes it was because he cast his um Oh, Sandra Locke is is, is is frequent collaborator and, yes, and at the yeah, time love interest. There. Yes, yeah, because it's a very interesting story. Maybe not for other people, but my podcast. Yeah. Um, where Clint Eastwood, uh, the, the Warner Brothers were were quite intrigued by the fact that they they had this series of movies. You know, the, the Dirty Harry movies. They made three of them in the early seventies, and they did quite well. Yes, and people they did some sort of poll of like the most identifiable figure in Hollywood or something, or the most identifiable character, and Dirty Harry cropped up in the early 80s and it was Dirty Harry was seen as and Clint Eastwood's Dirty he, Harry he's iconic yeah. yeah and so they thought do you know what we own that that's ours that's Warner Brothers stuff we've got Clint with us you know he's saying what next as a Get project so they, they commissioned another one and I think Sudden Impact was was quite a big movie even and did very well mm. it wasn't as good as the others but it, it, it did it did I, fairly well and I think the Deadpool still, I think was okay as well. to it, yeah yeah I think it's you know a good a, good, a bad Dirty Harry film is better than a lot of other films that come out. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're not really I, I bad; just, they're just not as good yeah. as like the I mean, I, I, just, I just think Clint's a machine as well. Like, I mean, he's well into his nineties now, and he won't stop making films. No, so. no, no one's going <laughs> to stop him. Uh, anyway, The Enforcer, nine p.m. from nineteen seventy-six. 1976. You got is it, it right? Really? It's nineteen seventy-six. Honestly, uh, I've got the IMDb database sat across from me. There you go. Uh, so that's, and I swear it hasn't loaded up. It's still trying to load the day after tomorrow on it. Um, okay, the final film that you've chosen, that one, by the way, Wednesday the 26th of April, 9pm on the Paramount Network. Final film for Thursday is on, uh, technically into the wee small hours of Friday morning. It's on 12.15am uh, on film four. Uh, and as much as I have things opinions about jeremy renner this yeah. is the one good film he did yeah, in this, my opinion this is brilliant this is wind river it takes away all those words you said about him earlier doesn't yeah, it? it takes well, some of them he, wind river is just absolutely fantastic uh this, this is the story of a veteran hunter helping an fbi agent investigate the murder of a young woman on a native american uh reservation uh in wyoming and wyoming's made to look gorgeous in this because you know what they're, they're tracking people through these snowy mountains dealing with all of these criminals and these sort of these houses and stuff so of course Jeremy Renner stars as the hunter himself is hired you've got Elizabeth Olsen starring as the FBI agent who sort of is going going out there to uh, to help him out and directed by Taylor Sheridan yes so the for anyone who's a fan of uh Yellowstone which, yes. which I love it um it's such a good series you can see the origins of Yellowstone in this you can mm. see the character development you can see that Jeremy Renner's character is probably one of uh, Kevin Costner's sons you can see how that came 
about. Yeah. Um, the, the, and, and there are several people from Yellowstone that are in this. This came out a couple of years before Yellowstone started. Oh, this but was uh, 2017. Because it's just loaded on my screen. Yeah, oh, perfect. Or, or part of it has. Um, but yes, Taylor Sheridan, uh, who, who's the writer and director of this, the, and he's the writer and creator of, of Yellowstone Hello, as well. Hello High Water as well. Uh, yeah. he's, he's got a real thing for sort of people in cowboy hats in a in desolate country firing guns at each other. Yeah, he? yeah, and it's such a good movie. This one is just great. There's so there's such a good scene near the uh, I guess it's in the final act of the movie where they're all gathered around outside of a trailer. Yeah. and I won't say much about it, but the tension. Everyone starts getting paranoid with yeah, each other. Yeah. Yes, I know the exact scene you're thinking of because it's the, it's the one thing I th- it's the main scene I think of when I think of this one here yeah because suddenly they're like why are you stood there for what do you mean why am i stood there for you calm down you calm down yeah, and, and it just I, everything just suddenly escalates out of nowhere it just keeps getting worse it's terrifying but uh, but yes it, gr- it's it's so gritty yeah and just it's such a fantastic like the tension wraps up perfectly i mean you've got every single time they sort of like set up a scene like it's just escalates and escalates and escalates and yeah. i think that's i think that's what taylor sheridan does best is this very sort of slow this build up the, that sense you feel the unease that everyone's mm. feeling which leads to yeah. everyone drawing their rifles out and shooting at each other yeah so uh, well well done for spoiling the end of that scene you but, don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it is a rule if someone pulls a gun it's going to get fired that's Chekhov <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not though is it but there you go it is now um so yeah so, so if you've seen if you've seen yellowstone and you haven't seen this you must uh, but even if you've got no idea what i'm talking about when i'm saying yellowstone it's on paramount plus i think streaming service mm. this is still a very very good movie good well worth um, looking out for uh, a great uh, sort of crime drama mystery because it is a mystery as well he's trying is, to solve yeah, a, yeah. It's, it's solve it's, a murder i've talked about how it's got all these high pace but the, it's a slow burn yeah like, it doesn't and it plays around with the the old timeline thing a little bit doesn't it because you don't realize straight away that it's not actually running quite from mm. beginning to end there's bits that jump back and then yeah. go forward again and it's really well done wonderfully wonderfully it's done an excellent film, and, yeah. and and the desolate like location as well and it just yeah wonderful that's wind river max if you had to choose one of those movies as your film of the week which one would it be it's really difficult to say but i'm gonna go with logan for this one okay i think like sorry sorry not to give you your birthday wish and say uh air force one but i haven't seen it yet so once i see it i can retroactively change it I think just about any of those movies would be worthy as your film of the week. I think you've chosen a good, good you know, at long last. Every once in a while, I, I, there's, I can get a good mm. selection going. Yeah, there you go. Um, thank you very much, Max, for your film choices. Next week, it sees the return of Sam Rolfe uh, do, doing what Max has just done, but probably a bit better. Um, but uh, anyway, if you want to see the choice of films that Max has just su- suggested for our watching, uh, for our entertainment pleasure, the list of the movies on Free to Air TV is in the episode notes uh, of this episode right now in, and you can also find them on our website stalbanspodcast.com uh, max thank you very much and we'll catch you again real soon see you soon